Sentire Media. Hello everyone and welcome to A History of Italy. Christmas Special 1. The episode you are listening to was released on Boxing Day 2018. You may still be rubbing your tummies and having trouble moving or else nursing a nasty hangover. I really hope not. I hope that all of you that celebrate Christmas had a lovely one with as many people you care about as possible. If you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you just had a really good Tuesday. Boxing Day in Italy isn't called Boxing Day. It's named after the saint of the day, Saint Stephen. It wasn't too long ago that I found out that Boxing Day had nothing to do with the sport myself. I thought perhaps there was some big heavyweight match or something like that on the 26th of December, a bit like American football on Thanksgiving or Boxing Day Premier League football in the UK. That's soccer for Americans. I then discovered that the word boxing in Boxing Day has various different theories to explain it, but it's more to do with people receiving boxes with things in it after Christmas. For example, the servants who would wait on their employers on Christmas Day would then receive a box of goodies the day after to take to their families. Another interpretation I have heard is that the origin was related to putting money in the poor box in church. The bottom line is, it has nothing to do with Anthony Joshua, except for the fact that he probably celebrates and has a day off on Boxing Day. Now all of this hasn't got much to do with Italy, so I'll stop invading other people's podcast topics. Italy can, however, tentatively claim the first celebration of Christmas on the 25th of December in Rome in 336, AD or CE as you prefer. Things were then made official in the year 354 by Pope Liberius. This may have been in part to overlap the fact that Emperor Aurelius had fixed the 25th of December as the date for the Roman sun god Sol Invictus, the unconquered sun, around 80 years before in 274. Since the 4th century, not a whole lot has happened on and around Christmas, Evidently, we like to take time off. Having said this, there are a few things. Let's start with the 24th. In Italian, we call it La Vigilia di Natale. Vigilia is a general term which indicates the evening before something, Eve in English. The word Natale means nativity, and it is how we refer to Christmas in Italian. On the 24th of December in 640, one of the many Pope Johns was elected, the fourth in this case. Much later, in 1294, Boniface VIII was also elected. Now, I don't want to go into too much detail with this guy, but suffice it to say that he was interesting enough for Dante Alighieri in his Divine Comedy to place Boniface VIII in a ditch in one of the circles of hell. Listen out for him when I get there, or when the Pontifacts girls get there, or when Steve Guerra from A History of the Papacy does. For the next important event on Christmas Eve, 
we need to move ahead to 1713, when Victor Amadeo of Savoy was crowned King of Sicily, in the Cathedral of Palermo. Another couple of hundred years takes us to 1951, when on Christmas Eve, Libya gained independence from Italy. Twenty years later, in 1971, Giovanni Leone was elected President of the Italian Republic. Although an incredible amount of prime ministers have resigned for a series of various reasons, Leone was later the only president of the Republic to have to resign due to a scandal, in particular the Lockheed scandal. Let's now go and have a look at important events on Christmas Day. The most important and well-known, which we have already spoken about, was the coronation of Charlemagne in Rome in the year 800 by Pope Leo III. This event can be considered the official start of the Holy Roman Empire under the Franks. Then back to Sicily again and the year 1130, in which the Kingdom of Sicily was founded with the coronation of the Norman Roger II Hauteville, son of Roger I, who was brother. To Robert Giscard, sixty-three years later, again on Christmas Day, the kingdom passed into the hands of the Hohenstaufer family, when the Holy Roman Emperor Henry the Sixth Hohenstaufer was crowned in Palermo. In a more Christmassy theme, on Christmas Day in twelve twenty-three, Saint Francis of Assisi set up the first living nativity scene in Greccio. Nativity scenes, both living with actors and with little models, have become an important component of an Italian Christmas, and in some cases the models are really incredible, and the scenery, and have remarkable detail. Some are considered works of art and generate quite a bit of tourism. There are a couple of rules for the nativity scene. You usually have at the center a little hut or cave. With Joseph and Mary and the ox and the lamb or the donkey in some cases, but you don't actually put the baby Jesus until the twenty-fifth, his birthday. The three wise men, the Magi, aren't supposed to be put in front of the Holy Family until the Epiphany, the sixth of January. Apart from that, you can do more or less what you want, and the Neapolitans in particular are known. For adding interesting elements of political satire, our family nativity scene has featured such guest stars as a dinosaur skeleton and a transformer. That's about it for important things that happened in Italy at Christmas. As for the name we call it by in English, that came into use in 1038 in Anglo-Saxon England, where Christus Maesum. Christ's Mass, Christmas, was first used as a term. In Italy, as we said, we call it Natale, Nativity, and we say Buon Natale, or a more generic Auguri, which means something like best wishes, and it can also be used for birthdays and such. The twenty-fifth and twenty-sixth are days off, but many companies will close for one or even two weeks during the holiday period. The whole Christmas period used to kick off around the eighth of December, the celebration of the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Mary by her mother, 
not the conception of Jesus. This was the time when Christmas trees would be put up. However, like in many parts of the world, the trees and decorations are put up earlier and earlier. The next date is the 13th of December, Santa Lucia, Saint Lucy. On this day, some Italian children in certain parts of Italy receive presents. A sort of early Christmas day, usually with just one present though. It is brought by Saint Lucy herself, who is a Christian martyr, who may or may not have had her eyes pulled out. I talked about her in the latest News Cappuccino on Patreon. Anyway, she's portrayed today as not having eyes, which is a bit spooky for me to have a lady with no eyes coming into my house at night. Anyway, on Christmas Eve, everyone has usually arrived at their holiday destination, although shops will still be open till normal opening hours to around 7pm. Christmas Eve dinner is traditionally fish-based. It can be a helpful negotiating moment in the whole parent and in-law family politics. At midnight, those who are practicing Catholics go to midnight mass and then head off to bed to wait for Babbo Natale, Santa Claus or Father Christmas, to come and deliver the presents. Then the Christmas Day feast comes. This varies quite a lot from region to region and from family to family. So I'll just go into what we do round our way. If anyone is listening have families of Italian origin or are listening from Italy, let us know what you had for your Christmas feast. We start off with what we here in Reggio Emilia call cappelletti. These are pasta filled with stuffing made of ham, beef, pork and some other kind of meat such as turkey for example, then nutmeg, garlic, breadcrumbs and parmigiano-reggiano cheese. Remember, it's always parmigiano-reggiano, not parmesan. The name and dialect is caplet, but don't try and ask for them if you go 10 or 15 minutes in any direction because these things will change name and cause you some difficulty and even some harassment. If you head west to Parma, you will have to ask for anolini, And if you head east down to Bologna, you would have to ask for tortellini. A little digression on dialects. I'll probably do an episode on them sometime later. Dialects were basically the exclusive language for many Italians up until about the 1950s. So, if you were from Milan, you would speak Milanese dialect rather than Italian. Or if you were from Naples, you would speak Neapolitan dialect and probably couldn't understand a word of what the Milanese person was saying, and vice versa. Just to give you a clue of how Reggio Emilia dialect sounds in comparison to Italian, let me give you the two versions of the sentence At Christmas you eat capelletti. In Italian we would say A Natale si mangiano i capelletti. In Reggio dialect we would say Anadele as mangia caplet. Quite different, as you can hear. Our caplet are served up in a broth made from beef, chicken and vegetables and so on. And after you finish with the first course, you usually eat the meat used to make the broth with different kinds of sauce and some vegetable side dishes. When the time comes for the dessert, we have the big choice between pandoro and panettone, 
which can also become quite a heated argument. They are both sort of Christmas cakes made with a light sponge, but the panettone has raisins and currants and almonds, while the pandoro has nothing and is usually sprinkled with icing sugar. It's also a generational divide sometimes, with children preferring the pandoro. The accompanying drink for all of this would be a drop of Prosecco before lunch, some red wine during the meal, and a sweet white dessert wine for the desserts. Or a spumante, which is our version of champagne. Once we have completely stuffed ourselves, if the weather allows, we go out for a little walk, and many people, for some strange reason, pack themselves into overcrowded cinemas on Christmas Day. I personally shy away from any tradition that puts me in a place where I can't move due to the crowd. Boxing Day is for relaxing and leftovers, the complimented diplomatic balance with the in-laws who were shunned on Christmas Day. There is nothing particularly special about the New Year celebration compared to other countries, although I do have this very odd memory of my grandmother throwing old things out of the window to get rid of the old things and prepare for the new. I don't really know if Nonna got this tradition exactly right because I remember throwing old plates out of a third-story apartment in the centre of Milan down onto the street below, which, besides being a terrible example of littering, seems rather dangerous as well. Once the new year has been brought in, the next date to wait for is the 6th of January, the Epiphany. There's not much family celebration going on here, but kids can expect to get some more presents, usually in a stocking brought by the Bifana, the Christmas Witch. Christmas Witch, I hear you say? What's her story? Well, here it is. The year is... Well, zero, I suppose. Three wise men are following a bright, burning star in the sky, on their way to see the Messiah, and bring him their gifts. Apparently, the star was not quite as precise as Google Maps. Maybe it was more in the Apple Maps area. Anyway, the three wise men, the Magi, lose their way and stop off in a village. They are directed to an old lady who is known as the most hospitable person in the village and a great housekeeper. She, unfortunately, cannot help them with directions, but she does put them up for the night, a very early version of Airbnb, you could say. The next day, before they set off again, the three wise men try to convince the old lady to go with them to see the baby Jesus. She refuses, despite their insistence. She has a house and a reputation to keep up. However, after the three wise men have already left, she has a change of heart, and she grabs her broom and goes running out in search of the wise men and the baby Jesus. She has been searching ever since. Not having yet found the baby Jesus, she roams the world, or at least parts of Italy, giving children gifts in the hopes of one day finding the Saviour so that she can give him her gift and finally end her search. 
The legend of the Bifana, the Christmas witch, seems to have actually popped up in around the 12th century, and may have overlapped with Roman traditions of deities flying over the fields to prepare them for the new agricultural year. Indeed, Bifana, whose name came from the corruption of Epiphania, is portrayed as an ugly old woman in ragged clothes and headscarf, riding on a broom. Bifana, therefore, is also used as an insult for women to say you're old and ugly. With the Epiphany on the sixth of January, you can consider the Christmas period over. Indeed, in Italian, we say l'Epifania che tutte le feste porta via, which means the Epiphany that takes all the holidays away. In all of this, we have forgotten an important date coming up. The third of January, twenty nineteen, is the first birthday of a History of Italy podcast. Now, now the podcast is in its infancy, so you won't even realize if we don't make a big fuss of it. We'll see how things are going next year, and maybe make a bit of a bit more of a palaver about it. Now, thank you all very much for listening this year. Both those who have listened from the very beginning and those more recently. If you have been thinking of supporting the show since it's Christmas time, I would perhaps ask you to send your donations to your favorite charity. If you need a suggestion, I really recommend Indomiti. This is a group which helps young, differently abled people who, for some disability or another, can't speak to communicate via facilitated communication. That means they can get back their voice, their identity, and become productive members of society. You can go to their website, which is indomiti i n d o m i t i, which means the undaunted dot org, and go to the come sostenerci area, which you'll find on the top right. Anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes. So, if you'd like to do that as a Christmas present, that would be really great. In any case. Thanks very much to everyone for listening, as always. A very merry Christmas to all of you, or whatever you're celebrating. May it be happy and peaceful. Special thanks to my family for their wonderful kitchen implement rendition of Jingle Bells. Thanks again, and talk to you next year. Sentire media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts! Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy, and we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com 
That's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com and find out how to submit your show.